<laughs> I'm pretty persuaded that technology does not like me. But I have good news for you. I have both my clicker and I got the slides in the computer. So, woohoo! <laughs> Though if you weren't here last week, I had kind of a bad day with, <laughs> with all of that. Um, so... Um, last week, uh, I kind of gave you all homework, uh, so we're going to kind of see how many of you this week at least once said to your spouse, you are a gift from God to me. Oh, good. That's, that's really good. That was kind of the homework. Uh, I, I don't raise your hand, but I, I wonder how many of you did it every single day last week. And, and I am proud to report that I did it every single day last week. Most of the time, because Jody reminded me and she said it first, but I did it every single day last week. So uh, we managed to get that done. So I, I hope you will continue with that idea of, of blessing, blessing your spouse, of using words, uh, certainly actions as well. But uh, we really do find, need to find ways to bless one another. We're going to talk a little bit uh, about that uh, today as well. So um, our memory verse uh, is... Really? Lord... <laughs> <laughs> so, um, let's say this together, <laughs> sorry. Follow God's example as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Good. Yeah, I love this, and, and we're getting close to the end of this series. I'm starting to think about a way maybe to put this up here. I love this, walk in the way of love. Man, if there's anything I think that describes uh, being a follower of Jesus, describes Christianity when it's done right, it is walking in the way of love. Amen? That's what Jesus was all about. So this morning I want to talk about uh, the, uh, the power of a ritual and tradition. Uh, and this is a picture of our Christmas Eve service where we have a lot of ritual uh, and tradition that's a part of it. I I'll be honest with you, growing up uh, in the Church of the Nazarene and in my particular family, there was very little uh, what I would call formal ritual and tradition. We all have a certain amount of ritual and tradition, right? You just have, we have ways of doing things in, in our lives, you know. I remember growing up, people would criticize, you know, those high church that had this, you know, liturgy that they would do. Uh, and then I went off to school and discovered that Nazarenes do it all the same. We have a liturgy of our own. We just don't call it that, right? You know? So we all have those kinds of things. Um, and so there, this is an important part of the faith, and I think there's great power in it when we kind of get to it. So we're going to talk about that. But I just want to see here, what, what are some beloved traditions or rituals or ceremonies uh, that you had growing up? Is there, and I'll, I'll share one with, with me from our family. When our kids were little, somehow we got to watching the Muppet Christmas Carol, right? And so, which is a silly version of it, but when your kids are little, it's kind of nice, and so like every year, we, it wasn't Christmas unless we watched that, you know, uh, and the kids kind of got up, and then now the kids are older and the grandkids were there. You want to know what we did over Christmas? We watched the Muppet Christmas Carol now with the grandchildren, and so that's, that's become a tradition in our family, and it's a dearly uh, loved kind of tradition. Uh, what, what kind of traditions or practices were in your family? Just shout them out. Cookies. What? Lefts, I can't say that, but that. <laughs> how about you guys had, how many of you did anything with Santa Claus? Tradition, okay? That's, that's just a tradition that's a, that's a part of it. How, how many of you wear a wedding ring? Tradition, right? How many of you wear it on your left hand? Tradition. You know, a lot of people in Europe wear it on their right hand, you know? 
So it's just, it's, there's just different ways of, of doing those sorts of things. Weddings are filled with tradition, all kinds of stuff that are part of that. How many of you shoot off fireworks at 4th of July? Tradition, right? It's just, it's a traditional thing we do. How many of you have a big meal at Thanksgiving? Tradition. How many of you have turkey at Thanksgiving? Tradition, tradition, tradition. See, your life is filled with way more tradition and ceremony and ritual than, than you understand. In fact, there's a whole bunch of stuff that you don't even think about like that, but that's very important with you. So, I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I'll bet you if I did, all of you would pretty much wait. If you hear the national anthem being played at a game, what do you do? Stand up. Guys, what do you do with your hat? Take it off. Maybe put it over your heart sort of, sort of thing. If you're in the military and you're in uniform, what do you do? Salute. Yeah, though you guys, you understand that, that that's an important kind of thing for us. And if somebody doesn't stand, you know, and doesn't take off their hat, you get a little irritated about that kind of thing because it's an important ritual uh, to us. You know, uh, there's all kinds of uh, ritual with, with the military that I won't go into all of that. Uh, but there's even rituals, you know, kind of around our, our homes and the things we do. Another Christmas ritual for us is there's a breakfast we eat every Christmas. It's a specific sort of thing. It's my job to, to take care of it and make it happen. Uh, but, but it's a ritual. And now if, if something goes wrong, the kids are like, well, why didn't we have Christmas breakfast? Well, I didn't, you know, and so it's just, it's a part of it. Um, and that we have all of these sort of things built into our lives. And one of the things that happens around secular rituals is it kind of binds us to one another, right? When the national anthem is played and we all stand up, we feel like, we're one, you know, we're all, all together. There are other rituals like this. Like, like, for instance, if you were to hear, da, 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 I mean, like, in tune, but if you heard that, what, what happens? Yeah, it's, a, it's a graduation of some sort, you know, and, and your, your kids are walking up, you know, at high school, and mom and dad are going, yes, finally, you know, because they, they graduate. There's, there's tradition. There's things around that that are very valuable to us. Um, and, and so here's what, what I believe about this. Sacred ritual is an essential part of raising a great family. And if I could go back and change the way we raised our family, I would do much more of sacred ritual within our family. I would do more of it within, within our, our church. Um, and so there's something about this that it forms kids in a way that talk does not. Okay? Talk is important, and please talk to your children about God. But there's ritual that just, just does more. And we had the Christmas Eve service up there. When we, my kids were growing up, Christmas Eve was their, their favorite service all year long. And if you've been a part of our Christmas Eve service, we kind of tell the story of, of the birth and we walk through that and we sing all the Christmas carols and, and have fun with that. And then at the end, we, we're down to just the Christ candle, right? We blow, we've blown out all the, the Advent candles of waiting and it's just the Christ candle. And we give all of you candles and we kill all the lights in the place. In fact, we work hard at killing every bit of the light. And there's this one little light over here, right? You know, and you can kind of maybe see me. And I'm trying to read my part off of that little bit of piece of light, you know, you've all watched me do that. But finally, I get done talking, and I, and I take my candle, and I light it, and I pass it usually to Jody, who's next to me, and I say, Jody, Jesus is the light of the world. And then I pass it the other direction, and pretty soon, you hear people saying, Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. And because there's so many people on that night, we send out missionaries to the dark corners of our church, okay, to, to bring the light of Jesus in those places. And, and it kind of begins to spread. And by the end, you saw that picture. You can actually take a picture. It's that, that light. And, and the light of Christ is everywhere. That is a tradition that forms us. 
that deeply formed my children. And you just say Jesus is the light of the world and they're at Christmas Eve again in that moment and the passing of, of the light. So it, it's a powerful sort of thing that we, that we do. Um, we're, we're coming up on Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday is an important time in our church where we come and we talk about the symbols and we talk about sin and death and, and yet this kind of hope thing, the ashes that represent sorrow and sin and, and death and, and yet they're combined with the oil that is life and, and we make the sign of the cross that ultimately is death and resurrection. Resurrection. Thank you. Okay. Resurrection is super important to us. And, and so there's power in that. And so I see lots of you that will have pictures on Facebook with your whole family with the ash crosses on you. That, that's tradition that, that, that's rich that, that forms us. And, and here's what I know about Jesus. Jesus grew up deeply immersed in tradition and religious ritual. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. You, you know this, that Jesus didn't grow up as a North American boy, Right? He grew up as a first century Jew. And so there was just filled with all kinds of traditions that were important to his family and, and to the, the community. And, and, and so one of the things that's occurred to me is if we want to raise great families, maybe we should look at how Jesus was raised. Just a thought. You know, maybe there's something in that somewhere uh, in that. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, look at uh, Luke uh, chapter 2. We're going to do 21 through 23 and 39 through 41. Uh, this is the same passage uh, that uh, Dr. Jeff Krosno uh, talked to you about, only he did the part with the blessing. I'm going to do a couple sections around that. And by the way, if you haven't heard that sermon, you need to go back and listen to it because it was really, really good. Um, so in looking at this, one of the things I want to remind you that we believe about the inspiration of Scripture is that we believe both the life and teaching of Jesus teach us, right? So it's not just the words he said, it's what he did with his life as well. What Jesus do, did, we should do, amen? Okay, so we're going to kind of look at, the, at a bit of the practice here uh, with this. And so what's going on is the birth of Jesus has happened, right? And so what do you do after the birth? There's kind of some things that begin to happen if you're a Jewish boy. So eight days later after the birth, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus and the name given by the, by, uh, by the angel even before he was conceived. So a couple of things. If you're a good Jewish boy, on the eighth day, you get circumcised. You literally mark in your body that you are a part of the chosen people, that you are a part of the covenant that God made with Abraham. Super big deal. Super big deal. I wish we had a better way of kind of doing this. Baptism kind of fits in there. And he was named, right? So now he, he has been made, marked as a part of the people of covenant, and he has been given his name. That is the moment where he got the name Jesus. And, and there used to be a part of this in the Catholic faith where, where it, when the baby was christened that they would give the name then. They would have that name. And so a uh, super important kind of ceremony that would have happened probably uh, in, in Bethlehem. Uh, and then, uh, then it was time for their purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of the child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem. So now they've got to go from Bethlehem to Jerusalem, which was uphill, carrying a eight-day-old baby, uh, actually been a little later than that, to present him to the, to the Lord. So a couple of things going on. The purification ceremony was to make uh, Mary, any woman that had given birth, ceremonially pure uh, in order to participate in the rest of the rituals and the part of the faith there. So it wasn't, a, it wasn't sin in the sense that we would think about sin, but it was ceremonially pure. So she would have to go through a ritual to kind of get through that process, okay? And then after that, uh, they took, the, took him to Jerusalem to present 
present him to the Lord. Now, that sounds pretty innocuous there, but basically the, the law of, of Moses required that, that the firstborn re, was owned by the Lord, the Lord, belonged to the Lord, right? And so, so if a, you know, your, your lamb had a firstborn, it would be sacrificed to the Lord, and then the second one you, know, you could do with whatever. Well, we're, we're not gonna do sacrifice of children, amen? Okay. I mean, that's kind of what the story about Abraham and the whole sacrifice, you know, that piece of it. Um, was about was that for God's people, we do not sacrifice our children. We do not sacrifice uh, people to that. And so what they would do is they would buy the child back. They would make a sacrifice to God that, that allowed them kind of to keep the child. And, and uh, that's what they did. Again, there's a ceremony involved with, there's a ritual involved in, in this. And then verse 23, the law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required of the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So they made the sacrifice. They went through the ritual. Uh, and as, as you heard uh, uh, earlier when Jeff preached, uh, we know that they were poor because this is the offering for a poor family and all this. So Jesus is like a tiny baby at this point, And he's already going through all of this ritual uh, that is uh, a part of, of his life. Um, so now I'm going to skip down to verse 39. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee, there was a ch- where the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was upon him. And the key in this is when Jesus' parents had filled, fulfilled all the requirements of the Law. And so what you are seeing here is the idea that, that he, he's done everything he's supposed to do, now, all the rituals, all of the ceremony that was all a, a, a part of, of that. And so then the next time we see him, uh, moves on, uh, down to 41. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. Every year, which was required of Jews to go there for Passover. Uh, but this was probably a three-day journey uh, with kids and with all, all of that and uphill to Jerusalem. So it was a big deal to do this. Um, the, of the Passover when he was 12 years old. So we think he probably uh, was done with, uh, with, uh, with school right there, with the uh, synagogue school. Uh, and they went to the festival according to the custom. And again, somewhere around 12 or 13 in the first century, they would go through what we think of today as the bar mitzvah. It probably wasn't quite like that back then. Uh, but, but basically of becoming a man in terms of the religious thing so that you could you know, be a part of, of the ceremony, Okay. So Luke tells us that Jesus and his family kept the Jewish rituals and traditions. So we've talked about when you try to understand Scripture, uh, one of the questions you ask is, why is this in there? Why did Luke put all this stuff in there that every Jewish person would have gone, of course it was like that. The reason he put that in there was to remind us that Jesus and his families kept the Jewish rituals and traditions. It mattered to them. It was a way that Jesus was formed as a, as, as a young person uh, in, in his life, that, that he was following all that God had laid out for them. And that these traditions uh, helped him become who he, God wanted him to be. They valued them. They believed in, in them. It, it was a, an important thing. He was an observant Jew. You understand that? that? That there was just a lot of this going on, in fact. In fact, here's one of the things that's kind of interesting uh, to me, I think, and, and helped me when I saw it. Um, so Jesus, well, I'll put it up there. Jesus wore a teflon. Jesus looked more like that than like a boy in jeans and all of that. You see these parts? You see this part here? 
That was an important part of a boy when he, when he, uh, when he had went through becoming an adult, right? Uh, and the pieces of it there. Uh, and and that, that's what he would have on when he went to the temple probably. Um, and so every time Jesus put this on as a boy and every Jewish boy, uh, they, they would cover their eyes and they would recite, recite the Shema, okay? So when they put it on and when they took it off. So twice a day he did this. And here's what the Shema says. It's from Deuteronomy. It says, Hear, O Israel. Pay attention, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Doesn't that sound familiar? These commandments I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands. Okay, and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house, houses and on your gates. Imagine the power of that. Every morning to, to close his eyes and to do that. Every night to, to do that again. And as a, a 13-year-old boy, he's already thinking about the fact that he has received the faith from the generations that have come before and he's already being told to pass them on to his children that will one day come to him. Wow. Wow. There are not very many things we do every morning and every night that relate to God. I hope you do devotions and you connect, but, but such a powerful ceremony for him. And then there were lots of other rituals. There's just a long list of rituals and holidays and, and, and things that, that went on. Uh, and so I, I, I'm going to give you a little test. This is not for those of you who went to seminary, because I know we have some of those here. How many major religious holidays do you think Jews had in the first century? Oh, you're all chicken, aren't you? <laughs> Fourteen. In addition to that, there were five other uh, minor kinds of holidays. So think about that for a minute, because some of these things were eight days long. So like, that's like one every month and a couple of months where you have a couple of them in there. And some of them involved a lot, like going to Jerusalem and all of those pieces of it. And so... There was this big kind of piece of, of religious engagement that was so important to them uh, and the, the rituals that were a part of it. And then Jesus added some that kind of happened in, in Christian faith, like baptism, right? I mean, that's a sacrament. That's a big deal. That's, that's, that's something that forms our children as they, as they come up. And we had like 16 baptisms this year, which for us is amazing, and there's something that God encounters in there. Uh, one of our general superintendents likes to say, you know, something happens in the water. I think that's true. I've just seen it over and over and over again where people say to me, I know, Pastor, I got baptized because you seemed to think it was important and that way you'd quit bugging me. You know I'm allowed to wholly bug you, right? You know, H-O-L-L, -L, anyway. Uh, and, and so, they, but, but something happened when I came up out of there. There's, there's a, a sacrament, a, a religious practice in all of that that's a part of it. The Lord's Supper that we're going to take together. Um, the, 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 the foot washing that we get a little uncomfortable with, but it, it's okay. Reciting the Lord's Prayer. He gave us a prayer to pray, did he not? Okay, he told us to do that. Laying on of hands, anointing with oil. And then the biggest one that was a part of Jesus' life uh, was Sabbath or Sabbat. Observance was the most important ritual or tradition. You did not break Sabbath. 
That was a really tough kind of thing. And, and honestly, for me, when I was growing up, Sabbath basically meant you can't go outside and play when I was really little and it was really strict. Anyone else have that rule when they were, you'd have to be my age? To, yep, some of us had that rule uh, because it was Sabbath, so you didn't want to do anything, which entirely misses the point of, of Sabbath. So let me tell you a little bit about Sabbath for, Jewish, uh, for Jesus in his time um, because this is, this is powerful and we're going we're gonna to execute. We're going to do some of this at the end here. At Sabbath, Sabbath, Sabbath began uh, at sundown, basically, uh, on, on Friday, going into Saturday, which was the seventh sort of day. And it began with the, the, with the wo- woman of the home lighting the Sabbath candles together, okay? And so uh, she would uh, light, there would be candles and, and a cup of wine and some bread, two loaves of bread. Uh, and, and she would uh, light the candles, okay? And then she would do this three times where she kind of pulls in the light, if you will, that is a, a, a part of that. And then she would cover her eyes, and this is what she would say in Hebrew, of course. In fact, they would actually sing this, which is really cool. I wanted to play it for you, but I couldn't quite make it work. This is what she would say with her eyes covered. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctified us with his commands and command, commanded us to kindle the Sabbath candles. In fact that up here. Blessed are you, O Lord, our King of the universe. And you can kind of see the thing here. And, and, and imagine in this moment, the children are watching. The, the little girls are watching, knowing that one day that will be their role in all of that. And then they would bless the candles and the wine and, and the bread. And, and then, this is where it gets really, really cool. Then the husband would bless his wife. From Proverbs 31, I won't read that to you. Go back and read it. It's, it's a wonderful passage about this wonderful wife. Imagine, imagine the impact on a little boy who's just learning how it is to treat women and and what those roles are when every Sunday, every Sunday, whoo, that's bad, every Sabbath, he would see his father bless his mother like that. Talk about raise up boys to love their wives and respect them through all of that. And then when that was done, they would bless the children and, and the, the, the song of blessing where they would lay their hands on them and bless them. Uh, and uh, they, they would often start with this. Uh, for the wimp girls, they would start, may God make you like Sarah and Rebecca and Rachel and Leah. And for the boys, uh, they, they would say, uh, may God make you like Ephraim and, and Manasseh, uh, who were Joseph's sons in all of this. So may make you like great people in the Bible, and then the Father's blessing with his hands on their head probably was, was this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And we listen to that, we go, that's great. Every single Sabbath over and over and over. I don't know how you would grow up with low self-esteem if your father blessed you like this every single week. Do you see the power of ritual? Do you see the power of, of ceremony and, 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 and moving in that moment? Those kids would grow up so that by the, the time they got there, they didn't have to memorize this, sit down and memorize it. It happened so many times to them that when they went to bless their kids, they already had it down. And they would, they would bless them. And, and then they would, they would sit down. There's meals and, and, and all of that. And there was a closing benediction. But let me ask you this, this question. How powerful would it be if once a week you laid hands on your children and blessed them? 
How powerful would that be in the lives of your children? Man, if I could go back, I would do this. I, you know, if they're small, I might do it on Saturday night before, before Sunday, you know, as they get older and they get complicated. Somewhere in the weekend, I would say, we're gonna stop and we're gonna do this. And I would find a way to bless Jody. I don't know if I could memorize the whole Proverbs 31 thing, but I would find a way to do that and I'd find a way to bless my kids, especially when they're little because you're just building that into their lives. You are, you are blessing them in such a powerful way. You see, I, I, I believe ritual and tradition are ancient and effective tools for forming the next generation. Amen? And we've talked about this. We are intergenerational. This matters to us. Our children matter to us. There's a bunch of kids down the children's wing down there, and, and it matters to us that they connect with God, and they not see God as this big, angry person that's gonna get them. I grew up with some of that but they see this God that blesses them every week, that blesses their mother every week, that blesses the family and that's for them and, and is be with them from the generations that have come down into the generations that will follow after them. Do you see the power of ritual? Such an important sort of thing. And then ritual communicates in ways that words cannot. I'm a words guy. I like words. I like to preach. Have you noticed that? You know, I kind of enjoy this sort of thing. You all got to listen to me for a while, you know. But there's something about watching something happen, about doing something that's religious, that just communicates in a different sort of way. I don't care how many times you tell your son to respect your mom. When you bless her every single week, he gets that you respect mom. Okay, I don't care how much you tell your kids, hey, you're a great kid, good job on that, you scored that soccer goal. That's nothing compared to pronouncing God's blessing upon them. It's just something powerful. And Jesus observed way more ritual than that. We don't have the time to go into it. But maybe there's something for us to learn from Jesus and from the Jews of the first century in forming the next, in, in, in forming the next generation. Because um, I, I believe that the power of the, in the power of sacred ritual, all right? I'm going to run through some of these uh, real quickly because we are out of time. But um, it connects us to God. Ritual connects us to God, okay? And then it connects us to each other. There's something about that ritual that connects us to each other. One of you stand up for the, the national anthem or whether it's taking communion together. It connects us to our past and God's future. For generations, they had been doing this, and for generations, they would continue to do this. That grounds you in a unique kind of way. And then it invites God's presence into whatever we're doing in, in those moments. So I, uh, the time we have left, uh, we want to, oh, and by the way, make ritual fun and meaningful. Make family devotions fun and meaningful. This is, I've said this before, but, but don't just read the stories in the Bible. Act them out with your children when they're small. So, you know, you're, you're telling them the story of Noah, or not of Noah, of, of uh, Jonah. You'd think I could remember that after all that school. I might need a refund on my seminary education. The, the story of, of Jonah, and, and rather than just reading them the story, get down on the, on the ground and tell it to them, and when the whale swallows Jonah, swallow a kid. You think they'll remember that story? They'll remember that story. Make it fun, make it fun in all of that. 
And so what we want to do now is we're going to do two things. Uh, we're going to practice family communion, which means that you guys serve your families rather than us serving them. Uh, and, and so uh, there's elements here. You can come down and you can get a plate and a, and a cup. There are seven um, wafers on there. So if your family's bigger than that, just pour another plate together uh, and de- designate somebody to do that in just a minute here to come down uh, and do that. And then uh, the, the thing when, they, when the, they take the bread... Uh, uh, and they get ready to dip it. The body of Christ broken for you. Say that. Then when they dip it, you say, the blood of Christ shed for you. And if you can't remember all of that, it's real simple. It's actually on your, uh, the insert in your bulletin, so if you want to hold on to that, simply say the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. That's fine. And if you can't remember any of that, just serve them communion, okay? okay. God's not going to mark you down on points if you don't get this right. Uh, And then the other thing I want to do, even before we do this, is I want to create a space this morning for you to bless your children. If you have children here, in just a minute, I encourage you to go get them and bring them in. And and I'd love for you, and again, this is on the back of your your bulletin insert as well. Uh, You can say, put your hands on their head, and then say, may you be like, and pick your favorite Bible character, okay? And then, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And again, this is, that's all written on the back. And so one of you can hold it and one of you can do it, or you can hold it and do it with one hand. But I, and I know I'm pushing you into discomfort, but I'm pushing you into discomfort of doing something that can be powerful for your children. And that's worth a little discomfort, amen? Amen? Okay, just make sure we're, we're on board with all of that. And so I've, a, I've asked the, um, our, our band if they would participate in this. So they're not going to come up here. We may have a little silence at first. We will also make a regular communion available, both in tinction and we have the self-contained uh, pieces if you're not comfortable with that or, or you don't have anybody. But, but you can pull in your family, pull in friends, pull in your life group to, to form a little bit of a circle. And uh, if, you, if their circle doesn't include any children, then just jump right, right to communion. But we want to worship the Lord in this powerful sacrament of communion and the ritual of blessing our children. Amen? Let me ask God's blessing and presence upon the elements. Father God, we come to you with great joy and great thanksgiving, Father, for all that you have done for us. Thank you, Father, for the power of ritual that so formed Jesus. Help us, Father, to, to do that in our own homes and in our church, Father. Help us to develop the ritual, develop the, the things that form the next generation, Lord. Uh, and Father, I, I pray now that you would, uh, you would inhabit these moments and inhabit these elements, the broken body and your shed blood, Father. I pray, Lord, that you would speak by your spirit to each of us as we come to this moment, Lord. To those that need encouragement, that you would give them encouragement. To those that need guidance, you would give them wisdom, Father. Whatever the need, Lord, that you would be here in a powerful, powerful way. We're reminded that on the night you were betrayed, you took the bread, and when you had given thanks, you broke it. And you gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is broken for you. Whenever you do this, remember... Remember the price of our salvation. After supper, he he took the cup, and when he had again given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, This is the new covenant in my blood, which was shed for you. Whenever you do this, remember. Remember that we're a part of the new covenant, and one day he will serve us in heaven. Father God, we thank you for this gift. We pray now that you would bless it, and we ask this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Hey church family, thank you for watching this video. It is amazing that you consider this your church home. If you do consider this your church home, we would ask that you would share this video with a friend. If God has been speaking to you, we would hope that you would share this message. As always, like and subscribe so that you don't miss a single video and tune in each Sunday at 10 a.m. on our live stream or you can join us in person. We'll see you next week. God bless.